Welcome, my friends, to the Easy Living Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Garen Kiten, um, coming to you live today from Lake Mary, Florida. Uh, thanks to our buddy Seth on the podcast here. He's got us a little room up in, uh, what is this? Regis. Regis, okay. It's August 2nd, 2023. Um, and then on today's episode, I'll go over a brief little um, topics that we're going to talk about. We're going to have an interview. Thankfully, um, we have a... Uh, I would say a poker professional and a, a professional coach here with us today, uh, Mr. Grayson Nichols. It will be joining us. Um, so, without further ado, welcome. Darren, thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, I really appreciate it. Um, you, uh, Seth has told told me a lot about you, so I'm really excited to hear your uh, perspectives on things. Um, we can start off like just with give us a brief background of like kind of like when you started playing what you're doing uh, along the way, and then like kind of what you're doing now, whatever you'd like to share would be good. Yeah, so, you know, I started like a lot of people, you know, when I was 18 with my buddies in high school, we saw rounders, you know, we got the bug, we're playing $20 games, uh, you know, at our dinner tables and stuff. And the timing for me was really excellent because when I went to University of Florida in that fall, that's when Moneymaker won the main event in 2003. Party poker just showed up, so we had like the perfect storm, and that's basically, you know, the first poker boom that we all talk about. And I started, you know, cutting my teeth playing in college, playing some home games, just you know, depositing fifty bucks here and there on party poker. Uh, got a couple books, like everyone, you know, read Super System, the normal stuff. And uh, by the time I graduated, I was a poli sci major. I was planning on law school, but at that point I was doing really well with poker. You know, I had made like, I don't know, I was making, I mean, I'm not exactly sure, but I know I had made at least 50 to 70K in my last two years of school. So I was like, let's just give this a shot for a while. Mm -hmm. And at that point, that actually ended up being right around when the uh, UIGEA passed. So party poker disappeared with a handshake agreement with the government to come back eventually when things were legalized and Full Tilt and Poker Stars started yeah. their boom. So basically from there on out, I played about seven or eight years. Uh, I played high stakes MTTs for a living. Did pretty well during that time period. Um, I would live in Vegas during the summer with a few buddies, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, uh, I guess Black Friday was about 10 years ago, and that's when I stopped playing online, of course. I uh, you know, briefly went to Canada to get my accounts back and do all that stuff, but for the most part, my online career is kind of mm -hmm. done at that point. And I turned to coaching, and since then, now you know I've coached, I mean, 100, 200 people from all over the world. I have about 15 to 20 clients now, and do lessons over the computer, and a bunch of guys in town that I work with, like Seth, for instance, who brought me on here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just been kind of focusing on that. We just got back from the main event where we both made day three, but unfortunately, <laughs> busted before the money. And so yeah, my focus has been you know just coaching and everything since yeah. then. Um, so you you had said back when you started when you're doing the MTTs like uh, the high stakes one like what was your do you remember roughly like average buy-in like online because online is obviously a lot different than live like you know a five hundred dollar buy-in online is fairly substantial. Um, what percentage would you say was like live and then would you take your like you know your 10k shots every now and then or your 5300 you know like would you play those as well yeah great question so you know it's funny like you know, me and my buddies would have a house in Vegas and we ended up just like kind of playing online we barely even played the World Series events we were just having so much fun playing online we just kind of kept doing yeah. that to answer your question specifically so then you know, I didn't play a ton of live events then to answer your question specifically, I did somewhere around, I'd say 15K a week in buy-ins, roughly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, give or take, obviously, if there was a big, you know, WCOOP series or F-TOP series going on, that was a different story. But on average, somewhere around 15K, I usually play about like five to 7K in buy-ins on Sunday, which is the big day, as mm -hmm. everyone knows. You know, we always grind on Sundays. And then somewhere around, you know, two to 3K uh, a day outside of that. Um, and I would, you know, take off two days a week, like I'd take off Friday and Saturday. And play pretty much all of Sunday yeah. through uh, through Thursday for the most part. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, that, that's really good that you even back then realized to take you you'd have a couple days a week to. That's one of the biggest things people don't realize if if you're not, for example, if you're not feeling good on a certain day, don't go play. It's, you're not missing anything by not playing the three hundred dollar local event at your room, you know, or something like that. So 
I think that's uh, even though it's turned around my bad day a few times going to play hey, the three hundred dollar event. I'm just saying, like, in cash, but I, think, I, I get exactly yeah, what you mean. I think one big thing in poker, though, that people fail to realize, and I think this is one of the reasons why I definitely had that same trajectory and I didn't get there because I didn't discipline myself to do certain things, and that's just one little thing. Um, you know, I would just. I mean, I didn't make 50 to 70K, but I was probably up 20K over a course of a college year. I remember I did pay for a semester of school, and my mom was like, she saw the, the oh, so no loans? I'm like, no, I'm good. Like, I, I literally just won a tournament for like 6,500 bucks um, on PokerStars uh, while I was watching football on Sunday. You know, I was just sitting there with the guys chilling, and so that was always cool. But, um I think, yeah, that's, that's the thing with poker is just discipline. If you want to be successful at it, anything in life, it's no different. You just have to set, set out what you're going to do and be disciplined. Um, so as far as, like, your lifestyle now, what would you suggest to somebody? This was a question asked by one of our listeners um, from back home. How would you rec- recommend, like, running it from a lifestyle perspective if you're not going to be, like, a professional, but, like, how would you manage your money? Like, what? I mean, this is kind of a broad question, but how would you go about doing that well something I, I first want to comment on something you just said mm-hmm. that was really spot on about how you would force it some days and honestly that's what that was one of my biggest leaks back mm-hmm. in the day and something probably one of my biggest regrets from when I was playing you know uh, online for a living where you know I felt like I had to play every Sunday and even if I was sick I would still play and I'll just tell you I never had one of those Jordan flu game situations yeah. like yep. it just you know I would always just you know just blow money those days essentially so I really do think that was one of my biggest leaks and it's something I really preach to my students. Like if you are not feeling yeah. you're you know, like you're in play your A game today, don't don't do it unless it's like the greatest value tournament. And then you also mentioned uh, a little bit of FOMO. That was another one of my things that I think was one of my biggest leaks. When there would be a big series, you know, we'd have the world championships going on. I still would play my normal schedule because I'd be like, oh man, the 30 rebuy has 15k up top. How can I pass up on that? And in hindsight, I wish, you know, I had just focused more on those big events because I think I left a lot of money on the table by mm-hmm. not really... Because, you know, it's really important that nowadays as the game keeps getting harder, people realize that, you know, you can still have an edge, but you have to find it in different ways, right? Yeah. So a lot of my guys, I'll be like, you know, I had a student who played in that uh, ACR Venom tournament mm-hmm. uh, uh, on Sunday, right? And one of the first things I said to him, because we did a lesson right beforehand, I was like, listen, don't play your normal schedule today. Like just play like maybe two to three tables. Yeah. Really focus on this because you know you're gonna run into a lot of guys better than you, but you're gonna make up for that edge because they're gonna be like ten to twelve tabling, right? So mm-hmm. I do think that you know really uh, trying to play less tables, you know, focus on what people are giving you, especially you know to the listeners who are playing things like in Daytona or mm-hmm. City. Like there's always gonna be someone who's doing something that you can take advantage of. You have to pay attention yeah. uh, to pick up on these things, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that was one thing um, I thought about was, I used to back in the day when I was in college, I would routinely have, I would have somewhere between six and 12 tables up. That's usually yeah. what my number was. And I knew it was something that I could handle and I could remain focused. Now, like I'd love to do that now. I, I max it at like four, maybe five, If maybe if it's just, but even then, I feel like I get overwhelmed sometimes, and it's like, what's the point? Um, and you know, if you get overwhelmed, you're not going to play optimally. So it's just like you're, you're losing, you know, a return on investment on every single one of them, little bits by little bit, when you get out of that. So, um, totally agree. I just, I that's that's one thing I noticed about myself. So I'll I'll fire up my two to three. I I currently play on America's Card Room, and um, I do a little bit on Global Poker. I found that to be, like, super soft. Do you agree? Do you play on that as well? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Global and Ignition are completely different. ACR is probably one of the toughest Correct. Uh, sites in the world. 100%. You know, I know a yeah. ton of good players who just are very yeah. money on ACR, but Global and Ignition, tournament spreads aren't as good, but yeah. the player pools are infinitely softer. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I um, if I look at my stuff on, on Global, it's I'm plus, like, seven or 8,000, but on ACR, I'm, like, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm down a little bit on it because it's it's legitimately like, it's uh, I feel like it's like you get all these the Russian players all the Europeans that do this for a living you know you get and especially once you get even it's crazy even like ten and twenty dollar buy-ins you're still having these guys 100%. popping up more often than not than you'd imagine and uh, it's not just like oh fifty or a hundred dollar buy-in no but it's it's a lot it's a lot more so um, absolutely yeah I do you think that like so. 
ACR right now the way it is, if it, they were to legalize this nationwide, do you think where would, would it be somewhere? Do you think between global and ACR, or do you think ultimately like where do you? What would you say? Let's just say Poker Stars tomorrow. They're like, yep, fired up. Everybody can play. No jurisdictions. Just the whole United States. What, what do you think would? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> we were kind of talking about this when we were off air a little bit ago. You know, I do think that when you geofence a location, it becomes incredibly soft. I was telling you about my student in Ontario who was a mid-stakes player about a year ago, and ever since they have locked uh, Ontario off from the rest of the world, he's yep. suddenly become one of the best players, you know, yeah. in the area, and just, you know, made over 150K in the last year. You know, obviously I would hope to see that for Florida, that'd be great. Um, so you'd prefer it be state, just, just lock into Florida only, and then, or not a nationwide one? Well, selfishly, I think that would be good, but I don't yeah. I, I don't think the full nationwide thing is gonna happen again. You know, yeah. I don't think we're ever gonna get the Wild West Sad. ever again, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, I do think, though, that we are moving towards, you know, a place where it's eventually gonna be legal, and hopefully most states, um, you know, I think it's about seven states now, I believe, at the moment, where it's legal, yeah, and New so. Jersey and Nevada can play together, too. Yeah, that's so true. So I do think we're moving towards this. I think it could be, you know, a big part of possibly a second boom, which we've all been talking about. I mean, yeah. look at, you know, speaking from live, uh, look at a lot of the World Series events that broke records this year. They had that mm -hmm. win, of, or the WPT event in last December that was, you know, breaking records mm -hmm. as well. So I think that live is in a great place. and. You know, as long as online keeps moving the trajectory it is, I think things are just going to keep mm -hmm. going up. Also hoping that we get something big, like, you know, like if a country like India, where we're talking about like 1.5 billion yes. people living yes. there, um, you know, something like that, it, it becomes legal there, like fully, and then they could open up, because I actually have three students who live in New Delhi, oh, and wow. it's, uh, there's a lot of, you know, tough legal issues with it, and it's not super yeah. you know, fluid, but that's another player pool that if we could kind of get more of these to open up, I do think there's a huge ceiling ahead. And I think the yeah. poker still has nowhere to go but up at the moment. Yeah, I, I do, I definitely agree. I think that if, if they continue year by year, just making it more accessible online like that, it's like, uh, for example, like next year, like now that they've done, they're gonna do another, the main event or whatever, mania or whatever, they're gonna do that again, I heard or something. So like, they're gonna, I, you know, they're anticipating twelve or 13,000 people maybe the main next year. So like, Crazy. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think it's very, Doable, and especially if they were to, you know, if they were to make that everywhere, which obviously it's hard to do, and not, probably not going to happen. But if they did that, you'd, you'd probably see a main event field double, which is crazy. It would be like a Colossus for the main event. Oh, man. Can you I imagine? Mean, like, and I hope the WSOP works on the payout structures a little bit. You know, I know they love the, t you know, the big poster of the biggest first yeah. prize ever, but they really, I mean, six million for the heads up battle is just outrageous. And yeah, I think yeah. the fact that if I'm not mistaken, I don't even, the 100th place didn't even get 100,000. So I think if I could redo it, um, you know, it'd be better for the poker ecosystem. And yeah. first was closer to 8 million. And so they didn't use the flattened one? They used the old school one? like, they, Or did they use a combo one or something? They, like? You're right, it was a little bit of a hybrid thing. It was the main impetus, I believe, is that they wanted first place to, to be, be so much yeah. bigger than the Jamie Gold one. So they kind of let that overtake the logic yeah. of, you know, dispersing more money throughout the ecosystem. They did the same thing with the bounty tournament this year where they had two $1 million bounties. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. it sounds cool, but honestly, yeah. if I could do it, I would say one $1 million one, and then, you know, another, maybe a 500K, a few extra 100K, stuff yeah. like that. That would be better for everyone. Um, but, you know, I get it. They're running a business and it's hard to, uh, you know, I understand what they're trying to do while I, I disagree with it. Yeah. Um, so here's, I'm going to give you a scenario. This is something I talked about with, and I would just would like you to tell me if you agree with it or disagree or could add anything to it. So a uh, buddy of mine wants to start playing cards. And so he, he's played before, he knows how to play the game, but I've told him like, as far as managing his bankroll, like if you really want to truthfully do it, um, I've suggested like, this is what I do. And I just told him, um, so I have my, uh, an account of my own, just a separate with all my business that, you know, regular business stuff. And then I have a separate, totally separate account and that I only deal with my poker money. And so like, basically what I do is if I want to take a bigger shot or something, obviously I have a full-time job so I can, I can pull from the other one. But generally in, in turn, other than that, I'm always pulling money from, you know, a little online bank, you know, that's what I do to manage it and keep it separate so that I don't go overextend myself or like, you know, start playing too big and stuff. So would you 
agree with that or do you have any recommendations for somebody doing that to manage it? Yeah, for the most part I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, bankroll management is a tough thing because a lot of the, if you were to go online and just Google poker bankroll management, a lot of the things you're going to see were kind of recommended, you know, over a decade ago yeah. when people, it was their main source of income, right? Mm -hmm. But now most people who play poker are recreational, you know, even mm -hmm. a lot of the professionals have alternate sources of income, you know, like myself obviously. Um, and so I think that it's hard to say exactly like, oh, you need like a hundred buy-ins in your bankroll for what mm -hmm. you're playing, right? Um, you know, I think to me, the thing that matters most is com you know, your comfort level, right? Yeah, like if you're uncomfortable with a certain buy-in, you probably yeah. shouldn't be playing because you're not gonna be playing, you know, your A game, right? If you satellite yeah. in a different story, obviously. Uh, but I think your comfort level matters a lot and you know, being reasonable, obviously, is very important. Yeah. As crazy as it sounds, I think a lot of people will win something and then they'll just be like, oh, well now I'm at the next level, so yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna start firing everything exactly. higher. Uh, so you have to be somewhat careful with that. Taking shots, I think that should be when you're feeling good. You know, yeah, like yeah. that to me is really important. Not just, you know, like, oh, I have 10 grand in my bankroll now, now I can fire this 1K. I would, I would you yeah, know, no. be like, well, how is it going recently? And like, make sure you yeah. play, take your shots right after another win, I would say. Usually. Well, do you find it's also easier to take your shots when you do have another level of income? Because like, like right now, my yeah. bankroll can't, my bank, my poker bankroll can't afford $1,000, but my lifestyle can afford $1,000. See, exactly. And so the, I think what the best thing I told my buddy is, is like, that you just have to decide what you want this to be for you. Like yeah, for me, cool. like I, for me, an online a, a shop for me is $218 Sunday on global. Like honestly, that's, and I'm not well, afraid to say that. Well, that's That makes it fun because then you don't have to worry. It's yeah, because so, well, so that's nice. the best part. Is and you, a buddy put it, yeah. put it really nicely. It said, play stressless poker. Correct. If you're stressing, yeah. Then you're either I remember there be or something. Yeah, like I remember there be times where I buy into a two hundred dollar. Like, oh my god, what am I doing? Like, I have like an eight hundred dollar bankroll. What the, f you know, like, what are you thinking? And then it's like, now I'm not. It's it's all ego based too. That's a lot of it. Like, you think you're, oh, I'm this good. It doesn't matter. Like, I can win. No, bro. Like, you're gonna, you just, you're just hurting yourself. Longer. You're get, you're further away from your goal. Yep. If you if you in keep fact, it, yeah. in fact I think that's going to be the name of my book. There's a who, who wrote the book Tilt Less Tilt Less. That was <laughs> yeah, a good yeah. book. Um, so now I'm going to write the the sequel is going to be Stressless 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 Yeah. And I also like what you said though too. Like you know you you can't be too careful also because I mean I built my bankroll in college like you know yeah. taking shots that I probably shouldn't have been taking as well you know. But if you're willing to lose it, I think that's that's okay. Well, that's and that's a life lesson. Yeah. What, I, what I do for live tournaments is, to be, to be honest with you, is I make sure that I have, I, I don't do the full 100 like clients, but I, because I have another job. If I were doing this for a living, first of all, I would make sure I had 100 buy-ins. I really would. However, because I'm not, I usually am floating somewhere between 30 to 50 of those buy-ins before I'll consider it, you know, like playing it. So, for example, I really want to, my goal is in the, like the next two to four years, I want to be able to be, able, I, I literally want to be able to travel more and play like those circuit main events and stuff like that, the $1,700 buy-ins, but it's gonna take me a little bit of time to to get there unless I were to, you know, if I could hit something. Supplement it. Well, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, so I've been building it like between either grinding an extra job or doing something to make extra money, whatever it may be, I don't have any problem with that, but that's kind of, that's my thought. So I, that's what I told him. I, I told my my buddy just like, if you can afford a thousand bucks, just sit a thousand dollars separate into a little savings account and then just, or, load it all onto your online account and we'll go for Something there. you mentioned too, goals matter. You know, like mm -hmm. I have students who, you know, it's totally recreational for them. You know, they have like, you know, they have yeah. a wife too and they have to explain, you know, how much they're spending and stuff. Yep. And some guys are just like, they want to be like, I'm starting with this bankroll and I want to get it to X. Like they don't need to pull anything mm -hmm. from that, you know? Yeah. So it really, you yeah. know, I think coming up with what your goals are before you figure out what your bankroll management needs to look like is really important. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, and like that's a huge thing too. Yeah, if you're like some single guy or something that doesn't have any Bingo. worries and no kids or wife or whatever, it's a totally different dynamic. Um, and then you just got to be realistic in what you're going to be able to do. Um, all right, so like, let's go. Uh, do you want to elaborate a little bit on your coaching business more? Like, what what do you? Um, you don't have to name like you know price or anything. Like that. I'm not saying that, but like, what do you? How do you approach some brand new player? Like, for example, let's talk about Seth. So when Seth came to you, like, how do you handle that when you? Ah! <laughs> well, he talked. First of all, he insulted me, <laughs> saying I don't coach old people. 
<laughs> I didn't say that exactly. But That's the, okay. The way Seth and I met was actually really funny. We were at the same table, coincidentally, in the main event about six, seven years ago, yeah. something like that. And no joke, the first hand of the tournament, I flopped the set against him, and I ended up folding face up on the river because I was so confident that he had me beat. And he walked up to me on break, and he said, "How did you? How did you know?" And I just kind of, you know, explained my thought process and everything. And then he goes, "What? What do you do for a living?" And I was like, "What the hell do you think I do?" You know. <laughs> and so that's how you know the friendship was started at that moment. And yeah. at the time, you know, he he was you know kind of joking, but at the time. I really didn't teach uh, people live. You know, I only taught people who mm -hmm. played for a living online, kind of like a golf swing coach only, mm -hmm. right? And you know, I wanted to only work selfishly. I just wanted to work with people who kind of played uh, similarly to me, where I could also learn when I was working with them. Good but point. you know, I, I after a decade of coaching, I realized that that's not necessarily the best clientele. You know, that it's actually better for recreational people with you know alternate sources of income who need more the, help. Right? We had the what do they call it? Our at, we we had the perfect demographics for Grayson as this thing grows. Yeah. In fact, we're starting up a website right now. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, just because we, the, 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 my group, which is kind of like you guys, I mean, you guys are part of my group. Um, it's professionals, people who like to play poker, people who love to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, the, I mean, every from we have Brian from Brian Harris, who's a mm -hmm. pediatrician, to Glenn Griffiths, who's a, a well wealth manager, planner. Yeah. I mean, these guys, it's, they're just, they're just yeah. super high. I, I do find it intellectual. I find studying poker is at least, if not more enjoyable than playing sometimes. I mean, I really do. Like, I love There's a, There's something You know, to, it's, a, it's a fine line. But. And the, the only way you can take these shots or be successful again is to learn. Otherwise, you're relying on all luck. And we know we know that happens once in a while, but it doesn't happen to me. Like this is the crazy thing. I have a con I have I am not saying I'm any I'm not a good by any means a that good of a player. But the the money that I've randomly can make on the side without getting into some of the things like for example this is this is embarrassing to even say this but like I knew about chart you know these preflop charts and stuff but I'd never really even studied those in any capacity until maybe two or three years ago maybe and I didn't and and when I tell you I studied them I. You know, shittily studied them. Like, you know, I wasn't even doing the right thing. You know, I was just. So now I've found that, like, I used to just be able to. I'll read some poker book, and you know what? I'll listen to podcasts weekly and or daily. You know, I'll go through and just. That'll be my studying. You know, well, spend an hour doing it. How's you know? this? Which what, what do you think sinks in better when you do something like that, or when we started with Grayson? He used to send us quizzes. Yeah. See about about it, and all of a sudden you're saying, and you're competing against three guys who are very competitive, and everyone's. Yeah, everyone wants to make sure their answer's right. You drill down and you learn that when you have less than twenty big lines and you got a pair of jacks in late position, you're pushing in. Mm -hmm. Jack queen suited, you're probably pushing in. Mm -hmm. You knew exactly. You there there were lines drawn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, I just have. I feel like um, my poker ability has a lot of levels to improve like a lot like you i am not like you call them fixing leaks you, well, that yeah not so much as new gaining you're right not not necessarily gaining new skill necessarily but like stopping doing something stupid i've done three or four of those this year and it's made a huge difference so well, but, we all do that and honestly some of the best lessons you can learn are from mistakes making mistakes are good as long as you learn from them and i will tell you that the best way to study you know, everyone's always like, oh, I'm in the lab and stuff, you know, and like excited about solvers, but I'm telling you, mm -hmm. a lot of that is not applicable to your run of the mill, you know, tournament yeah. live. And when I say what most people play, I'm talking like 1K buy-in and under live, 100s and under online, right? These are games that are, the GTO is not gonna be very helpful in because most of your opponents are not playing optimally, right? The most yeah. important we, thing we you guys can up, do. We gotta come up with an acronym for like GT idiots. <laughs> The most important thing you guys can do is honestly just talk about hands. And mm -hmm. something that I, I challenge you to listen to, listen to the people in your sphere when they talk about hands. And I will bet you 90% of the people you guys know that talk hands are just complaining about bad beats. No one yeah, is yeah, talking nobody. about it in a productive fashion. So yeah. what you need to do is actually discuss a hand, be like, what would you do? And then try to think about like, you know, even if it's someone who's not as good as you that you're discussing with, mm -hmm. you can still extrapolate oh, something from this. Yeah, you yeah. can learn what people like them are thinking and doing in spots, which will help yep. you 
later in those situations. So this is something I give Seth a tough time for is that I'm always telling him the more hands you give me, the better I'll make you, you know? And people yeah. still struggle at giving me hands. I'm yeah. telling you, that is well, the better. Yeah, I mean, it's a better. lot, it's, it's, it, it's extremely helpful and it's the only way I, it's the best way I learn. Mm -hmm. But it's, it, it's, there's so much involved in writing down specific hands but it helps so much I, I tend to have a very good memory so like i really i've never been the type of person oh i gotta get my notepad no i don't even go to my phone even though i have my phone i'll not even do that i just remember the hands like wait I wait until you're in an advanced stage like me yeah i know right because you know, yeah by the way not. seth is gonna about to be turning 60 here coming up so he's we're gonna get super him. super senior, super senior come. but yeah like i uh like when i'm looking back at him, i i do agree with you that like when i was like i had a span in like 2018 and 2019 where I won like four or five turn it was ridiculous I won like 30 grand or 40 grand total over the course of four months and I looked back at what I did the whole summer leading up to that time I was going over six to twelve hands a day yeah. every day it's, and it's not true. only not only is it the knowledge of it but I also believe it's the energy of it yeah yeah For, the energy creates the knowledge creates i found myself more. in a position where i would never even worry about like you know i'd be in a, a tough situation like you know like when you're like worried about the worst case scenario that happened it happens like i feel like i just was never worried like oh we have a flip here let's see if i win i had no uh mentally you know i wasn't just defeated well, you know or something you're a baseball fan and baseball player it's all muscle memory yeah yeah what's well, confidence too i think yeah, confidence yeah. is one of the most important things in poker and you're typically going to drive your confidence from either um, learning new things um you know talking about your hands and understanding more of them and having those light bulb moments and then mostly unfortunately it kills me but i do recognize that where students usually get their confidence from is from making runs, caches, yeah, scores, right. and while it's sometimes a faulty confidence, it is true, you know, so getting yeah. there, being in those positions, mm -hmm. talking about those hands, it's, like, that's, yeah. that's the key to getting confidence. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how some people will be like, oh, yeah, I'm so good now because I made this, you know, yep. you run, and it's like, you, dude, you, 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 you just beat, you just beat, your ace nine, you beat yeah. the ace king for all your chips to stay alive with 40 <laughs> people left, you know, like, it's just, you have to be realistic with it, and I, like, I was, in this last tournament that I played, that's one thing, um, I had a couple scenarios that we can go, we'll go over here in a second, but like I made really good calls. Like I think they're totally the right play and it just didn't work out for me. But in the end, I literally didn't even wince one bit. I wasn't even like, I wasn't dejected like sometimes I am. Well, I was you know like, I mean? not getting, if you're making the right plays, it helps you not get dejected. Yeah. You know, you made the right plays and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Rest All right. So let's, so briefly I'll go over this. So, um, your host here had a pretty good run this week. This on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I, thank you, thank you. I, uh, I finished seventh out of 165 people <clears throat> in a. Uh, it's just a. What is it? Monthly end of the month Daytona. Oh, middle. I thought you were talking about me. I finished 60 second. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, what is it? It's a 30k guarantee, 20k guarantee. I think I can't remember what it was. So I first, it was 20. first place is 7,400 dollars. Nothing crazy high, but it's a nice little score. Um, I finished seventh for thirteen hundred and eleven dollars, so made a little over a thousand bucks on the day. Um, and so I have two hands here, and I'm going to talk to, and then I'll ask you both. Like you can chime in anytime. I don't. If you, who wants to go first? Does somebody want to? Grayson. Grayson, Grayson's, yeah. Grayson's the expert. So uh, let me give you the dynamic. When we got to the final table, I was seventh out of nine people in chips, and it. This is why it really. It just kind of does irk, irk me a little bit. I should. I should have had like f fourth or fifth. For sure, locked up, and it just didn't work out. And, we, and then we would have probably got a chop, so I would have probably made another thousand bucks or something. But um, anyway, so a under the gun. This is crazy. This player was really not a very good player. He was a definitely a recreational player. Had gotten lucky a few times to still be in the tournament, and was he had been making some folds. Like for example, uh, he had like seven big blinds left, and a guy with a huge sack rips it all in on when just in the blinds, and he takes his a7 and fold you know what i mean like things that it should, it should be automatic like no brainer in my opinion but um he also folded like threes to a same situation again like you, you got a pair i mean i get threes actually i like the a7 more than i do the threes but um so anyway he rips it all in for he had two hundred and ten thousand in chips and i had just first handed by the way of the final table i looked down at queens and i decided to i, I knew that my table had a few people that would I, I just instead of raising just a standard, I decided to rip it all in because they would 
they wouldn't put me on that big of a hand and I would get some action. There, there was action behind me. So I rip it in and a guy literally, before I could even finish putting my chips in, he's all in as well. And so I won race, one race, Queens beat Ace King. So I was up to, I doubled the first hand. So right after that, this guy rips it. This was like maybe five hands later, six hands later. It hadn't even been in orbit. And he jams all in and you know, getting short, whatever. And I look down, everybody folds him in the big blind. I have 775K, big blind was 30K. So I've got, what is that, 25 big blinds? Yeah. So he jammed like seven and a half. He, he, seven, seven or six and a half big blinds, yes. And I had ace nine offsuit in the big blind. Everybody folds around me. Do you like that or no? no I don't not call there, no. Not call there. Why? Well, I, no, here's the thing. Like, I agree with you, like, in terms of, like, I normally would never call an under the gun raise with ace nine, like, the, but in this scenario, this player was like, I knew that he would be doing this with like, I, I don't know, he just came. See, I think, there's a, I think there's a, so all of the information you just gave me, yeah. like him folding the threes and a seven, this yeah. to me indicates that he's actually tighter, right? And well, so yeah. when a tighter guy shoves under the gun, they're just always going to show up with like a strong range. So in the spot <laughs> you just described, I wouldn't dream of calling a yeah. person like See, ace jack in that spot. Okay, and so, and then. And ace jack works well too, because if he's getting out of line, quote unquote, at all, it would be something like queen jack suited, you know, king jack. Did you use the cadence? Did you use the cadence we talked Actually, about? Actually, it might not have been under the gun. It might have been like, it was definitely early position, for sure. He would never have like a king nine. So guess what, well, I guess what he had. So he I did, call, he had, <laughs> no. <laughs> he had queen six of diamonds. Yeah, that shocks me, for sure. I, and I was like, well, at the end of the day, I was just like thinking to myself, here's the deal. But did he still win? It, listen, I'll tell you, this was the first of, so, I just thought to myself, okay, there's, at this point, sorry, by the way, there had been seven, uh, one person, I knocked the person out, so we pay bumped to, to eight people, and then uh, another lady that was at the table, she was really short, got knocked out, so we're actually seven-handed at this point, so, and, and when he did that, I just was like, you know what, I, I can call this guy, and I still have over 500,000 left in my stack to call, so I just, so I did, I called. See, really fast, I just started to yeah. I want to no, no. a couple things, so... You know, you made a good read in this instance. However, I do think what he mm -hmm. showed up with is kind of an outlier based mm -hmm. on the other information you mentioned him. But I also don't, you shouldn't use that logic that you just said, yeah. or like, oh, I'll have 500K left or whatever. Like, you really should just be kind of fixated on what his range looks like, mm -hmm. that sort of player from yeah. that position, you know, and then figure out where you stand. So normally I would come up with what I think that player's range looks like. And then if you're the last line of defense in the big blind, you don't, you know, you can just have that range maybe one pip better, right? Mm -hmm. So typically, you know, based on the guy that you just described to me, I usually expect him to have like ace 10 plus, fives plus, mm -hmm. you know, maybe some random broadways like jack 10 suited, queen jack at worst. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna probably wanna call with like one pip better than all of that, which would look something yeah. like maybe I... sixes, sevens, you know, ace 10 suited, ace jack, yeah. king jack suited, king queen, and like maybe that. So I just was... think of their range as opposed yeah. to the Yeah, and I, th I think, like, I can't remember, it might have been, it was either 30 or 40k big blind. So it, it, it's a slightly better, I guess, if oh, it's a 40k it's big blind. It's actually much better at 40k because they yeah. just have five blinds. Yeah, so I, I think, I can't remember. We had been playing a full level at this point, so I'm pretty sure we went to 30k. I can't remember. I wrote it on my notes. I couldn't remember. Because sure. if but, he's got five blinds, now his range is what happens when included. you get older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he has ace sexes. Yeah, like so like, so I, I, I did realize that it was, before I made the call, I was like, yeah, this is pretty borderline. Like, this is, but I'm like, you know what? I can have a chance to knock this guy out. So I call him, whatever. I flop a nine. Guy hits a three out on the river, hits a queen. So let yeah. me ask you a question, just going back to our other mm -hmm. podcast. So if you go into what Grayson did without saying it, if you used your cadence and you used the fart method, yeah. You know, and you actually went through it. You really touch everything that he did. You got, you, yeah. You said position. Okay, he's first act. You got, yeah. you got hand. You know, you you got your ace nine. Yeah. Is this such so a rhythm of Brian's. That's Brian's heart. Yeah. Yes. We, added, like a, we added a position. Yeah. Added a position to it. Yeah. Plus, it's easy to remember. Yeah. The uh, then what did you want to accomplish? Well, you wanted to get him out, but you also don't want to go down a. 500 big blinds then you got the range which is exactly what he's talking about yeah, yeah. your range and his range yeah. and so here's where here's where i don't like the ace nine because when i think of my range no matter what he has my ace nine is vulnerable even if he's got two three i'm still only a 60 percent favorite correct so that's why i like to short up with eight like you said i'm even going a little bit higher and i'm going ace jack suited 
snap call. He yeah. liked to be dominating at least yes, a couple yeah. of hands he has. And I'm just not sure that player yeah. type that you just described is going to have like yeah. an ace. Well, an ace nine can't well. dominate anything except nine and ten. Then, that's well. The, the, the two things that I the two things that I thought of in the moment were ace X that that ended up making me call, and I in hindsight. This is my logic, and it was probably not right. But I was thinking to myself, well, we're we're not nine-handed; we're seven-handed now. And then I'm also was saying that it was um, like he, he just wasn't. I don't know for whatever reason when the guy when he put the chips in, he kind of looked like he he was like stressing, like, and he was very much like, well, I guess I got it. Like well, it was almost like it, it was too, like weird. Still. Ace nine, even against yeah. a two three, you still only six. Well, like, don't mention the two three because he's never gonna have two three in that spot. Yeah. I, I want to comment on that too. I wouldn't pay too much detail to physical tells like that because mm -hmm. they're usually very polar. Where it's either like, yeah. like for instance, if you see someone whose like chest is like, oh, it's like yeah. they're about to hyperventilate, yeah, they might have the nuts, but they might also be bluffing. Like it Correct. could be one or the other, it's, you yeah. know. So I wouldn't pay too much mind to that. Mm -hmm. Also, the thing you said about seven handed that strikes me as like one of the biggest mistakes that good really? players yeah. make. And that mistake is that a good player is very commonly going to assume that their opponent is thinking the way they are. So, like, yeah, yeah you notice that it's a shorter handed, so you need to widen ranges. But this guy know. you're talking about, he clearly doesn't yeah. know that because he folded that a7, which yeah. was an easy call in that blinders yeah. blind situation you Correct. earlier. So, like, classic spot where a good player just thinks that their opponent is thinking at a higher level. That is like one thing I will take for sure to the next turn of my play is remember like I'll be aware of the situation but then I'll be thinking to myself who actually here Bingo. is going to be thinking on those level. And I, I mean I do that to a point because obviously if you play with a better player or something you know that they're going to you know have but more you, perception you of see, Oh your call would be good. How quickly you, yes, correct, okay. How quickly do you identify that when you come to the final table? Oh, I mean, I've seen you play. You're doing it in as a second. As, what sucks is when I got to the final table, I was, when I got the double up, I'm like, I'm winning this whole tournament. I, I literally was that confident because, like, there was one other guy that was, like, decent. And then when the chip leader was a guy that, like... What was the average not, chip stack when you guys got down? Chip leader had half the chips in play wow. when we went to the final. 2.4 million in chips. Yeah, he had a massive stack to my right. But then... Beautiful. Yeah. So it was just, like, a perfect scenario. And then, oh, one other thing. There was a guy, I want to ask you how, uh, how you would address this. So we're down to 14 people at this, at this point. I have queen jack of diamonds in the big blind. Already in the money, right? And we're already in the money, well in the money. Yeah, top uh, 21, I think it was. What, yeah, 20 or 21. Anyway, um, under the gun limps, he'd been just, there'd been a couple bad players just limping, like they're just terrible. Uh, he, he limped, and then a button limps, and then it gets to the, Small blind, and he completes. And I look at Queen Jack of Diamonds, and I had all of them covered but the one guy. And I was just like, I'm never going to let them see any of this. So I, and I only had 12-ish big blinds or something. So I just, you had everyone covered yeah, only 12. Or sorry, 14, I think. Yeah, because there were two small stacks. Like the, Yes, like the guy to my right was – actually, the guy to my right was – the small blind was the only guy that had me covered. Everybody else – this guy was limping with like nine big blinds. You had so, both the lepers covered. Yeah, guy, yeah, so I just ripped all in. I'm like, oh, we're all in because they're going to – I just want to get them to fold. Get them, just shove them out. Fold. Guy – same guy that with the queen six hand we were just talked about. The guy, he wore Clemson stuff. I call him Clemson. But – um, is he the over limber on the button? Yes, and he he no, sits there and, and, and he goes he goes oh, he's like sitting there just like really thinking like he's got to decision. I'm like wow shit like one of the problems here is that he like sometimes people can be in those spots where suddenly they're like you know what they do it the old YOLO because they already have so much in there Correct. and he just calls with like sevens or king queen could unfortunately yes. be in his yeah. range there too which would be really bad for us. Hell, I wouldn't even be shocked if he had like yeah. an ace jack and didn't <laughs> So this is what's funny is like he, I had noticed though. Here's the reason. Ultimately, in game, the reason why I did it was because he, I think your jam's been fine, he, he yeah, he he had been like doing this and then just folding and doing this and folding repetitively. Like so, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna steal all their, you know, mm -hmm. like, and I'd be glad to do that. So anyway, he gets he starts thinking right, and the guy in the small blind takes caps his cards. And like puts him forward, like he's letting him know, announcing to everybody that hey, I'm folding. Oof. Like it was okay, so I didn't say anything in the moment. Didn't say, I just kept cool. I'm like you fucking asshole. <laughs> um, and the guy ended up that guy folded threes, folded pocket. So I would have been in a flip. So he folded, and then the other guy I said, and I, as soon as he folded, I looked at him. I go, hey, you might as well fold your hand now too. That's uh, you announce him. You're doing it, and he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, bro, listen, I don't ever confront anybody at a poker table, but what you did was. 
bullshit. I literally just said that right to him. And he, his wife, the funniest thing is his, his wife was watching the table. He's like, oh, okay, okay, you're, you're right. I uh, don't ever do that again. So have you ever had somebody do that? That's well, bullshit. Well, no, like, you could tell the guy just didn't know because he no, was still he, being nice about it. Right? No, 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 no. He, no, this guy, no, trust me, wait till I tell you. You know who it is. I'll oh, tell you okay. later off air. He 100% knows what he's doing. He's a good well, player. Why, like, why not, would he care? He wanted to knock me out. He, he, he knew that because oh, it was like we were basically so even chips. Like it was pretty, yeah, it was 100%. Okay. And, and the next like 14 people left, 13, 13 through 11 was a pay bump. So he wanted it to happen, you know, like, anyway, and that's the guy that ended up getting his ace king just the shit kicked out of it. Yeah, and I fought to pay. No. <laughs> so anyway, I thought it was kind of funny, but all right. And then here's my second hand for you. Um, I don't think this one is really that controversial or disputable, I guess, but we'll just play it out. So after I had lost that hand, blinds come through, I had to fold. So I was down to, I had a 390 K stack. So let's say 400, a big blinds for, so 10 big blinds, just under 10 big blinds. One, uh, big one, 30K or 40K? 40K at okay. this point. Yeah, for sure 40 because this was after a, another few. Um, I think this was right before the next level to go up to 50. And um, the chip leader to my right, it folds around to just the button in the blinds. And um, he just min raised to 80. And I had ace jack suited of hearts. In a small blind? Small blind. So I thought, no doubt about it, I just all in. Full guy folds. Now, there was a lady with like, this is where my question is for you, the lady with like five big blinds that was going to be in the big blind two hands later. Yeah. Do you, does that in, come into your mind? Like, is, is that ever a fold to make, know that she's gonna be at risk? It's never is, right? It no. can't be. No, your shove's great there, obviously. And you know, I think that you're right to wonder if this is like a spot where ICM is gonna yeah. pinch you a little bit, but I think all that's gonna do is it will, so basically, our shoving range here will be a little bit tighter than it would be if she, you were the shortest stack, for instance. Yeah. But this would not be one of the hands that would be shaved off of our range. I'm definitely happy to jam this here. And I also think it goes both ways that with her being so short, I think the button's opening range becomes wider in this spot, too. So you can yeah. get a real Yeah, because he's, yeah, if they realize and you put the pressure on I think they, I think most people do. You know, it's still a guy who has chips and he's on the button. People are privy to that you yeah. need to raise in that spot. And then, now. So I'd be happy shoving there. Like, yeah. But for instance, like a hand like ace nine or yeah. sixes, or maybe even like sevens or like king jack suited, maybe even king queen, probably still shove king queen. Um, but I think some of those hands we could definitely yeah. shave off that we would normally jam in that spot because of her being short. But still with that short sex situation, I mean, bare minimum, I'm yeah. still jamming ace 10 plus, sevens plus, yeah. and king queen plus in that spot. And you're yeah. for sure. So I, I shove and then the guy looks at me and kind of starts laughing. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. I mean, he's got obviously shit, but that he's like, you know what, man? I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm like, dude, bro, you just do whatever you wanna do. I don't, I don't care. He's like, well, this is this is my favorite hand. So he call, calls me with 10-8 offsuit, knocks me out of the tournament. Oh, eight, eight, a flop, blanks, river, eight. And so, so you know, it's worth noting too, I don't know if everyone listening does know this, it's kind of simple, but like it is important. Like if you do raise pre-flop um, and someone with less than 10 big blinds jams all in, you are getting over two to one odds. So mm -hmm. it's really, you know, if you only did have nine blinds there, his call is technically mathematically correct. However, I would still prefer just raise folding in his spot or just not even opening yeah. at all because I think that your range, your rejam range becomes tighter because of the, the fact that it's a final table and there's another short stack. Um, but you know, if it's just a normal chip EV spot and someone, you know, yeah. someone has less than 10 blinds, uh, don't expect there to be much fold equity against Yeah, roster. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, nothing you can do there. Yeah, nothing I can do. So anyway, I ended up seventh place. It's fine, no big deal. I just felt like if those, you know, obviously if those hands go differently, the first one, here's what would happen. If the first one, I win, I would have, yeah. correct, yeah. more, I, but I probably still would have three bet the guy, but I just probably wouldn't have jammed. I don't know what I would have, it, it, it would have probably been jammed, yeah, because I would have been, lines, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. I think I, if you're above 20, maybe you flat, and then because that hand would be pretty good for check shoving on the flop. You yeah. Jack, you know he's going to see that wide. Yeah. You hit an ace or a jack or two of your suit. Yeah. That's yeah, that's good. 40% of the time of the flop. Yeah. So, I think that's fine. Um, okay, so uh, at this point here, um, is there anything else you would like to ask Grayson before um, we end? Did you have anything? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about one hand. Okay, let's <laughs> crack out. So there's two, there's three players in, and I'm last to act, and I the flop comes. Uh, I have your big blind king big, big suited. Big no, no, it was after 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 some little betting. There was nothing really pre-flop. I had. 
I know, King, where were you? Where were you? You called a raise on the I was on King the button. Queen of Spades, yeah. King, Queen of Spades, I called a small okay. raise. The, you get one, so there's three people in the hand. The, uh, so I get, I, I, I flop ace and jack of spades. I have king, queen of spades, okay. and I get three of clubs. So guy checks, Grayson, uh, the person in the second seat. The idiot seat. The idiot in seat two puts out a small bet. I, I'm gonna see it, and um, the other guy calls. Then, I, then the royal flush hits. No way. And I'm third to act, so then, the guy checks, seat two, who's Grayson, bets. I call, the other guy calls. I hate you. And seat three. Then the stupid spade comes up. Otherwise, oh. I would have got paid big time. Because my real question is, is should I have raised there? Because you guys are both calling a small raise. I didn't think of that. I didn't, I didn't stop to think what happens if a spade comes up. I just, was, I just was googly eyes over as... I haven't had a royal flush online, I don't think, ever. So, obviously, you're poking fun at me a little bit, which is totally game. But like, we can actually derive some strategy from this. And I think the point Seth's trying to make is, I think something I see a lot is when people have a really big hand, they tend to slow play themselves into oblivion. You know, they're yeah. just so intent on, like, setting yeah. the trap and raking the leaves and stuff. You get a good money in the pot. I think yeah. usually, yeah, you're spot on. I think you want to play, you know, your big hands a little bit faster. But... Do it towards when your opponent has something worthy of paying you off. You know, like if the flop comes ace-a-6 and you have sixes full, I would play that somewhat fast because if they have an ace, you are going to get as much money as possible, right? And one of the biggest faults I see people do is they check it, and then suddenly when they check raise on the turn of the river, any pro or someone who has any semblance of an understanding of what's going on immediately knows that person is slow playing the nuts on the flop. So, yeah. you know, to answer your specific question, I mean, raising the turn would be interesting. You're going to get really paid if one of us has a spade. The problem is... The other guy might have had two spades because he called. Yeah. And so I get called down. He has to have the small I made a small bet. He had to have a small flush. He so had to have a small flush. With the royal, I'd probably just call there like you did. But let's say, you know, the flop is like... Let's say the flop's like nine, six, three, all spades. And you have king, queen of spades versus ace, deuce of spades. Ace, deuce of spades can actually be played faster here because it's more likely the villain has the naked king, the naked queen, the naked jack, those, right? Yeah, those, those that are never cards are pulled to you, yeah. right? So I think you could play it faster there. Whereas in your instance, since you have the royal, there's no big spade for us to have to stick around us. So if you did raise, at best we have a set or the nine of spades. The nine of spades obviously is shit at that point, so we're not gonna stick around with that. So you would really need one of us to have exactly a set. So I think you played it fine. Um, but in general, I do think mm -hmm. people slow play themselves a little, yeah. little too hard, and they benefit from betting a little bit more. It was fun, any sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, not for me. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I want to before we conclude. Um, there's one other, actually, there's one other thing on the uh, topics we want to get to. Um, you brought this up. So, what would be your answer to? Um, somebody as far as if they ask like why should i use a poker coach if that question was asked what would be your answer you can be as whatever you what do you think on that so i mean the first thing i'd say before seth answers it because he'd probably be actually better answers than you know as uh, someone who's taking lessons mm -hmm. i i think one of the issues the probably the biggest issue nowadays is you know, we were talking about this before the, the, the you know, interview here, and that people have gotten better in poker in general, mm -hmm. but I think that there's this weird uh, plateau we've hit where there's so much great content out there. You know, you have brilliant guys who are out there making videos. You see all these high rollers with their cards exposed that you can watch freely on YouTube. I mean, today, one of the best players in the world, John H. Styles Van Fleet, is uh, streaming himself live on Twitch, playing the final table yeah. of wow. the Venom. You know, oh, so you get in the brain of one of the greatest players of all time, right? So this stuff is readily available. However, I would say the biggest problem is that people are not applying these concepts correctly, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to take stuff that works in high stakes and make it work when they're playing against, you know, Billy Bob in the one-two game. That, that's yes, just not uh, that's, really yeah. correct, right? So I think that having a coach, someone that can kind of, you know, extrapolate the ideas for you, help you apply it to yourself, you know, something Seth commented on that I've helped him with a lot over the last year or two, he's helped my coaching immensely in that for the first you know, six or seven years of doing this, I was coaching people trying to be like, all right, I'm gonna make you guys play like me. But now mm -hmm. I'm thinking, I don't wanna do that. I wanna teach Seth 
how to beat people like me by taking advantage of the perception that they have of him. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna be like, oh, he's a recreational player. He's scared, he would never bluff in this spot. Yeah. So I'm gonna teach him where to bluff in those spots and make it look like he could only have the nuts and take advantage yeah. of it, right? Yeah. So I do think, you know, reaching out to someone, you know, in trying to get help can be, you know, another example I'll give you is that a lot of guys would reach out to me for coaching and they'd be like, hey, to be honest, I'm deciding between 10 hours of coaching with you and doing so-and-so's masterclass. And without fail, the people who would choose the masterclass, six or seven months later would come back to me and they'd be like, hey, I'm like a third or half of the way through this thing, I, I still need some help, you know? Because mm -hmm. again, good information, but very dense and often not applicable, right? So yeah, I think yeah. it helps to reach I, out to someone. I've talked to him before too, like in some of the tournaments, like if we play like a $200, even even this one coming up, uh, that I'm gonna talk about in a second, these four, you know, whatever the tournament, there are some tables there that just the players are so bad that are going to go. You have to just like. Even the main event. Oh, oh yeah. Main event is the softest 10K, right? That yeah, exists. Right? So, like, I mean, it's, it's just it's like. very unique. And just a good rule of thumb for listeners. Yeah. I would say that anything you play 1100 and under live is going to be fairly decent. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. incredibly soft. Yep. Occasionally you'll get a sharper one, but the second you get to like 1500 or 2000 or higher, it becomes Everybody's very sharp. Like if it's a 2500 or higher live yeah. outside yeah. of the main event, yep. it is really tough. Yes. Like really, really, really tough. Like yep. one of the hardest tournaments I've ever played in, I'd say if I had to rank them, I'd say the hardest, toughest fields I've ever played in, 10K pot limit hold'em, 5K No Limit Hold'em World Series event, both of those are World Series events, mm -hmm. and then uh, a 2500 Four Max event, yeah. which was oh, just man. like, I thought, max. I thought yeah. it'd be cool to have, you know, extra room, you know, like leg room and stuff, but honestly, you have all the best tournament players in the world, and then you also had a ton of great shorthanded cash game players, like, brutal, yeah. brutal field yeah. to play in, you know, so yeah, I think no shorthanded stuff yeah. is really yeah. tough. You know, and I think anything under anything above fifteen hundred will usually yeah. be fairly tough. I've, I've cashed a, a five hundred dollars six max before. That's that's my. I, that's I, that's I, that's I did that as well. I, that's a, that's I a tough tournament. Yeah. I did the same. Yeah. I had to cash the six. Um, circuit circuit events. They used to always run like a five. They do like a. Yeah, but six is different than four. I mean. Well, Nuggets worth mentioning though. I think that's a good thing for when you're in Vegas trying to find those tertiary spots. It's good too. Like all the people are going to descend upon the WSOP first. Mm -hmm. Then they're going to go to Venetian second. If you can find that third spot, you're not going to catch as much Correct. of those top players. Game, the, the game selection first. matters so big places time. like the Golden MGM, Golden Nugget. Dude, Hollywood used to be dude, great I played. Play. A, I'm not a cash player. I, I play tournaments. I just occasionally, just for fun, honestly, for fun, or just to pass some time, play some cash. If I make money, cool. If I don't, it's it's not the end of the world. I, I really don't. T I don't take the strategy. I mean, I do, but I don't at the same time. And um. You can also use at MGM. I, I bought in. I played a two five there at MGM and won twenty eight hundred bucks the last day I was there. I was waiting for my my flight got delayed, and if I, my flight doesn't get delayed, I don't make that nice, money. And I hit. The uh, funny thing is, I hit. <laughs> so I I got so lucky. Uh, I won about a thousand of that on. I hit. I turned quads, quad quad twos, and one guy had nines full. It came. It came queen nine deuce. We all flop sets, and I hit quads. How lucky could I be? I did the same wow. thing with Queen Nine Deuce. Nah, no, you did not. Or it might have been I Queen Eight Deuce. I don't know. It was Queen. <laughs> I swear to God, I was in the I took a picture. real quick senior event. Yeah. We'll go and call over any more hands. No, you're Second good. bullet in the senior event at Tampa. Just a regular senior event. Five. It was I think yeah. it was five thousand dollars. Is that when you your ring or no? No, no. This is this is just a different tournament. So I fire my first bullet. I lose. If I have Queen King, the guy's got Queen Ace. If I, or he has mm -hmm. Queen Eight, and I'm just like saying, all right. I'll buy the second one.